All right, if you've got a Bible, Exodus chapter 3 um, is where we are going to start eventually. <laughs> like, I promise we will eventually get there. It's going to take me a while to set it up. Um, we're starting our brand new series there, Christmas series um, called Coming Home for Christmas. And um, that will make sense as we get into the Christmas message and we kind of tie all of these things up together. Um, Honestly, I can't even believe that we're starting the Christmas series already. Like I can't even believe it's December and Christmas is here. Anybody else with me? How, How many of you like you already have all of your Christmas stuff done? Like Christmas shopping, presents are wrapped under the tree. Um, my hand is raised for illustration purposes only, uh, not for any other reason at all. Like, it's okay to admit it. Like, I'm not going to make fun of you or anything now, because now it's okay. Now you can have your tree up. Thanksgiving's over. You can buy stuff. You can play Christmas music. You can do all of those weird things that you like to do way early. I'm a last-minute person. Like, so I'm going to get for Christmas, for my family, whatever Walmart has left on the shelf Christmas Eve night. Like, that's it. That's, that's that's what you get. Daddy, I don't want this. I don't care. That's what you got. That's what they had. So anyway, that's me. Christmas time, Christmas time to me is just so crazy. And there's so much stuff that just overwhelms Christmas. And there's so much stuff that gets me. And, and, and like one of the things every year, the thing that gets me probably the most is the arguments that we have over the phrases that we use when we talk to each other. Like, for example, we'll say, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. And and listen, 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 listen. I'm not going to ask you who says Merry Christmas and who says Happy Holidays. I'm not going to start that that fight. But I will let you in on a little secret. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter. If somebody says to you, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, just smile and say it back. Don't be the angry Christian that goes, you're taking Christ out of Christmas. No, they're not, because they can't. So simmer down, Wallace. That's why you have no friends. Just be nice to people. Right? If they're nice to you, just be nice back. Somebody say amen right there, please. It's like, all right. We say these now you're mad. It is Merry Christmas. You're in church. We say this stuff all the time, like tis the season. Tis the season for what? Tis the hunting season? Tis the season for sales at Wilkie's? <laughs> is it? Okay, cool. I'll be there tomorrow. Tis the se- and we'll get into the whole tis the season and it's Jesus. And so we come up with Jesus as the reason for the season. And that's good. Right? I mean, Jesus is the reason for Christmas. If it wasn't Jesus, there wouldn't be Christmas. I, I get all of that. And, and we could do this all day long. But I was going through these the other day to kind of set, set this stuff up for this message. And then it kind of changed directions a little bit when I got to this one, when I got to this next one. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Right? That, that, that's great, right? We get this phrase from the angels when the angels, when they, when they appeared to the shepherds that are talking about the birth of baby Jesus. They're like, hey, when he comes, there's going to be peace on earth, right? And we're like, oh, peace, that's going to be great. Now, if I could get you to describe the earth, like if I could get you to describe the world that we live in, the word peace Probably not, would, would not be in the top 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 words that you use to describe the world. Yes or no? No, because, I mean, have you seen the news? Like, there's not peace. This group of people hates this group of people, and this person hates this person, and this nation hates this nation, and there's a riot over here, there's a protest over here, there's a terrorist attack over here, there's a school shooting over here. And I don't know about you, but, but it seems like we've missed the whole peace on earth thing, yes or no? And that's confusing 
Because when you look at the scriptures, the angels, the angels showed up and said, hey, let's give peace on earth. But there seemingly is no peace on earth. And then I finally realized, and this is true for me and it's true for you too. And if you don't get anything else I say today, you should get this. This is sort of probably the sermon in a sentence, if you will. There will never be peace on earth until there's first peace in me. There will never be peace on earth until there is first peace in me. Listen, we can't wish for the world to be peaceful while we're at war in our hearts, in our souls, and in our minds. And so when I was looking at this phrase the other day, this peace on earth, I was like, God, how? Like, like legit, how can we have peace on earth? Because all of us, all of us have fallen into the category of thinking that peace can be found in other things, right? Like, for example, many people think peace can be found, if you're taking notes, you can write these down, letter A, somewhere else. Somewhere else. Like, there's peace somewhere. Have you ever been in a place and you're like, ah, I hate this place. You ever been there? It's getting ready to snow on Tuesday, so y'all be there on Tuesday. And, and you'll hear at least 10 people on Tuesday say, why do I live here, right? Why do I not live in Florida? <laughs> I hate this place. I can just get out of town. Have you ever been to that way? Have you ever been in that? I remember years ago, I was like, ah, oh, I just need a vacation. I just need to get away. I had a trip planned, and we're getting ready. And the closer you get to having a trip, you're like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And nothing else matters. Um, I went somewhere. It was really nice. I was sitting on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea, reading the Bible, like reading the book of Romans in Rome. was like the coolest thing ever. I was relaxing. I was watching my daughter Chloe play softball. It was so incredibly peaceful. And we were coming home. And we landed in New York, but our luggage didn't, <laughs> like it went somewhere else. All of a sudden, my peace was gone. Anybody know what that's like? like? Like you go on a trip and there's peace until your flight's delayed, and then there's no peace. You, you can have peace until your reservation gets canceled, and then there's no peace. There's, there's peace until something happens, because we think that peace is somewhere else. And when we get there, it might be there temporarily, but it's not there forever. And so then we'll think, letter B, well, peace is with someone else. I guess the holiday season, so we can address this. There are um, probably some of you in this room, you love your family. You just love your family. You love spending time with your family. Like, that's just, that's, it's just awesome. Others of you, the only reason you spend time with them is because you're blood-related. If it wasn't for that... You would never hang out with those people, amen? So some of you are like, those people, they're crazy. And, and this happens in all kinds of situations, not just in families. If you're hanging out with a group of friends, you could get to a point where you're like, man, this group is nuts. Or you're dating somebody and they're crazy or you're with somebody that's crazy. And so you're like, I just, I just, I just need to be with someone else. Like, I, I, I just, if I could just get with somebody else, there would be peace in my life. If I could just be with someone else, I'll be happy. But after five years and 10 relationships and three friend groups, you realize the common denominator in crazy is you. So maybe it's not somebody else. Maybe it's just that there's not peace inside of us. And so then we'll think, let her see, well, if I could just have something else. Like, if I just have something else, I'll, I'll be happy. There'll be peace. Let, let's explain it like this. The best way to explain it is like your iPhone, right? The, the new iPhone came out. 
There's absolutely nothing wrong with your iPhone. But you saw the commercial, right? And you saw the other commercial, and then you saw the other commercial. And so you're like, I got to have the new iPhone. And so you went and you traded in your iPhone because you thought the new iPhone was going to bring you joy and happiness and peace. And then you took it home, and it wouldn't connect to your Wi-Fi, and you had no peace, right? Listen, for me, many of you know this. It's the Hellcat. I know, I know that thing will bring me peace. I am going to, that thing's going to bring me happiness and joy and ultimate peace. Now, deep down, deep down, I know, mostly I know because Mary tells me, but I know it's only going to be temporary because sooner or later I'm going to get the insurance bill. And just to be honest with you, if I drive one of those, I'm going to drive it like I stole it. And the police don't like it when you do that. <laughs> and so they're called peace officers, but I think it's because they take your peace away from you, right? So mine might be gone. So we think, we think peace can be found somewhere else or in someone else or by having something else, but none of that is true. And all of us know that's true because of personal experience. This is not brand new information. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a statement that, that, that's sort of true. It's one of those phrases that I saw the other day, and it really stood out to me. And I'm not going to set you up. I'm not going to ask you how many of you believe this is true. I'll let you know it's, it's kind of true. In fact, in a lot of churches, this, this phrase would get an amen, hallelujah, preach it, brother, whatever, because it's, it's kind of true. You ready? Here it is. Peace is found in the presence of God and nothing else. Peace is found in the presence of God and nothing else. Now you're looking at that and you're thinking, what's wrong with that, right? What's wrong with that statement? Like, There's nothing wrong with that statement, Ryan. What's wrong with that? Listen, this might mess you up a little bit today, but did you know that you can be in the presence of God and not have peace? Did you know that? Some of you might say, I don't think that's true. Well, think about this. Think about the number of people that walked around with Jesus and missed it. Or think about it like this. Let's let's put it more practical. The presence of God can show up in a church service. One person can stand in the service and weep because God is moving. And the person next to them is checking Facebook. One got it, one didn't. Have you ever seen that? Hypothetically. I I know it happens in other churches. It doesn't happen here. I, I get that. But hypothetically, you know what I'm talking about? Listen. That, that statement, peace on earth, or I mean, peace found in the presence of God, nothing else. Peace is found in the presence of God. I'll agree with that. And I'll agree with nothing else can bring us peace like the presence of God. But when we walk, don't miss this. When we walk in a partially surrendered state, we will miss his peace. And when we miss his peace, we will miss his presence. And when we miss his presence, we will walk out those doors with conflict in ourselves. Let me explain it like this. Have you ever thought if God showed up physically, like like a physical manifestation of God or or an angel? It could be God or an angel. You you could use either one of them here. It doesn't matter. If If you ever thought, well, if God or an angel showed up and spoke to me, like literally spoke to me out loud and said, this is what I want you to do. Like if God ever did that, I would do it. Have you ever thought that? Yes or no? Have you? Yes or no? Yeah. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. 
You're like, don't tell me I wouldn't. You wouldn't because people in the Bible didn't. Think about this. God told Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach against it. And what did Jonah say? See ya. And he dipped out, right? He heard the audible voice of God. Yes or no? Yes. He heard God say, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach against it. Now, I, I know you're arguing with me in your mind. You're like, no, you're still, I, I, I would do it. Because I, I used to say that too. But let me give you another example. We'll spend a lot of time on this one. Um, there's a guy in the Old Testament named Moses. Moses is, is probably the greatest leader in the Old Testament. Moses is one of the most quoted people in the New Testament. Moses had it going on. Moses was blessed. He was called. He was no, anointed. All the, all the church words you want to use right here to describe somebody, Moses was all of them. But Moses, even though his, he, he ended up awesome, his life did not start out well. The Pharaoh, he's like the king of Egypt, was concerned that the number of Israelites was increasing so much that he issued a decree that all the baby boys were to be killed. And so Moses is born during this time. You talk about a rough season, a time when there was no peace, it was right here. And so Moses is born into this rough season where he was supposed to be killed, and his mom and dad... They just couldn't do it. Like mom and dads, like if, if you're a mom and dad, you, you, you couldn't even imagine doing this, right? You, your baby son is born and you're just like, I just can't do it, can't do it. And so they tried to hide him for a while. They couldn't hide him any longer, so they put him in a basket and they stuck him on the Nile River. And the mom said, I can't, I can't even watch, which none of us would be able to do that. And so she looks at Moses' sister, her name is Miriam, and she says, Miriam, you watch and you tell me what happens. Well, just coincidentally, because everything God ordained just happens by coincidence, right? So coincidentally, as the basket's floating down the river, it happens to get to this place where Pharaoh's daughter is coming down to, like, take a bath. And when she goes down there, she hears a baby crying. In that moment, her heart is filled with compassion. And so she looks in the basket, and she sees that it's a baby boy. And she says, not only Am I going to not kill this baby boy as I'm supposed to, as my dad wants me to? I'm going to take this baby, and I'm going to raise this baby. So she takes baby Moses back to the palace. It's absolutely incredible. So Moses is literally, don't miss this, he's drawn out of the water. Every time I read this story, I get excited because every time I see it, I get reminded. That's my story too. Like I was on a path of destruction, and God for some reason, drew me out. And there's some people here today, that's your story too. God drew you out. For others of you, God is drawing you out. God's drawing you out of things like depression. God's drawing you out of anxiety. God's drawing you out of loneliness. He's drawing you out of frustration. He's drawing you out of addiction. God is drawing you out. He drew me out. If it wouldn't have been for God's grace and God's mercy, we wouldn't be here. And so Moses... He's floating, he's crying, they pick him up, and he's raised in the palace. And when he's 40 years old, he walks out, and he says, you know what, I'm going to set the Israelites free. I'm tired of seeing all of my people in slavery. And he goes out, and he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And the Bible says he looks this way, and he looked that way, and he didn't see anybody. So he killed the Egyptian, and he took him, and he buried him in the sand. The next day, he goes out, and he didn't think anybody saw him, but somebody calls him out on it. And so Moses freaks out and runs, which is what we do. When we feel like we've messed up, 
When we feel like we've disappointed God, when we feel like we've disappointed others, we run. It's a defense mechanism. We just run. And so Moses runs and he goes, the Bible says, to the backside of the desert and he's there for 40 years. Just a quick question. Do you think he felt forgotten by God, yes or no? Yes. And the reason that's important is because there could be some people here today, that's how you feel, forgotten by God. You're running, just like Moses, and you feel forgotten by God. You're just on the backside of the desert. Well, he's walking around one day, and he sees a bush on fire. And this is not a Christmas tree. I know there's some traditions that, tr- that say this is the Christmas tree, and this is why we do this. That's not, that's not it. This is, the, this is a bush on fire, a bush on fire, not lights and little ornaments or anything like this. If you're from a church background, this is the burning bush story. The Bible says the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses from within the bush. Now, some scholars argue this is what is called a theophany. That is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. So they say it's Jesus speaking from inside of the bush. Um, that, that would be where I land on that, but I'm not going to argue that this morning. I want you to just think about it like this. It's the physical presence of God inside of the bush. And the physical presence of God says to Moses audibly, Moses isn't reading this. Moses isn't getting a sign. He's hearing God tell him, hey, Moses, I want you to go to the land of Egypt, and I want you to lead the Israelites out of slavery into freedom, into the promised land. It's a land with milk and honey. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Moses, you go And tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And so Moses, in the presence of God, he physically sees him. He audibly hears his voice. And what happens? Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. Look at this. But Moses, what's that word say? What's it say? Protested. See, this is how I can say none of us, if God showed up and and, and appeared to us physically and told us what to do, we would all just be like, oh, okay. Moses, right there at the burning bush, Moses protested. By the way, protest does not equal peace. You ever seen a peaceful protest? It's like an oxymoron, right? It usually turns out violent, right? People fighting, like you're protesting peace and you're fighting, like this makes zero sense. But Moses right here, is protesting God. God audibly said, Moses, this is what I want you to do. But Moses is protesting. He says this, who am I to appear appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? See, Moses knew something about himself that he didn't think God knew. Moses knew that he was jacked up. Moses knew that he had messed up. Moses knew he committed murder. And so he thought, what I did in my past disqualifies me from having an amazing future. That's what he thought, because he knew he was messed up. And so he thought, because of killing somebody, because of where I've been, because of what I've done, I can't do anything for God. Now, if if we're honest, in fact, let me just be honest. I don't have a single problem looking at anybody in this room, looking at you in the eye and telling you, God loves you. God created you on purpose, with a purpose, 
and for a purpose. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's been done to you or when it happened. I don't care how bad your past is. I don't have a problem believing that God loves you, has an incredible plan for your life, wants to do great things in you and through you, and is going to use you to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. I don't have a problem believing that about you. I have a problem believing that about me. And you know why I have a problem believing that about me? Because I know me better than you know me, right? I know I'm a jacked up, messed up person. I know what I did 15 years ago. I know what I did eight years ago. I know what I did three weeks ago. I know, I know what I thought about yesterday. And there's some people here, you're the exact same way. You think, man, because of what I've done, I'm too messed up for God to use me in any significant way. But did you know that as you read through the scriptures, God only uses cracked pots? God only uses messed up, jacked up people? Because that's how and when he gets the glory. Think about it. Peter couldn't stop cussing. Thomas couldn't stop doubting. David couldn't stay in his own bed. And God used all three of them to accomplish immeasurably more than they could ever ask or imagine. And if God did it with them, he could do it with every single one of us in this room. If you're in Christ, your past does not define your future. It doesn't. In Christ, your past, what you did, does not define your future. But Moses is protesting. <laughs> Who am I? Man, you know, you know what I've, I've done? And God says, I got it. Just tell him I sent you. And Moses was like, well, who do I tell him? Like, do you have a name? And God said, I am. And Moses like, I am what? <laughs> like, I am. And God says, that's it. Just tell them I am. And Moses is like, all right, hold up. I'm supposed to show up, tell them I'm walking through the desert, and a plant started talking to me. They're going to think I'm smoking the plant. Like, that's what they're going to think. Like, it's going to get weird. It's going to be messed up. And God says, no, no, no. You tell them I am. And you tell them I am is going to take care of it. You tell them I am sent you. You tell them that I am is going to take care of you. I am is going to provide for you. You tell them I am is going to do all of these things. And you would think that Moses would have been like, okay, cool, all right. But the Bible says this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses, what's it say? Yeah, you got it in your notes, right? My computer guy, there he goes. Good to have you back. But Moses, but Moses protested again. Right Here he is in the presence of God, audibly hearing him, visually seeing him and saying, no, no, I'm not going to do it. See, if we protest, there is no peace. Moses protests again. Look what he does this time. Protested again. What if they, everybody say they on three. One, two, three. They. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if, here it is again. What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Moses is concerned about what they might say. You ever heard what they say? You ever heard it? You ever heard what they say? I've got a new rule. If somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I've been talking to some people and they're real upset. Stop. Just stop right there. Who are they? Who are they? Because this is usually what happens. Well, 
I just don't feel comfortable sharing their names. Well, I don't feel comfortable listening to anything you have to say because they is you and your mama. That's who it is. That's who they are. And I don't care. But, but there are people, especially in our culture today, with social media taking over our lives. And, and listen, I'm not saying this because I'm anti-social media. I've got all the social media platforms and, and all of that. But some of us are so obsessed with what they say, and we don't even know who they are. And, and I've told you this before, but it's worth saying again. The quickest way to lose sight of what God says about me is to hyper-focus on what they say about me. The quickest way to lose sight of what God says about me is to hyper-focus on what they say about me. Who cares? Who cares what they say about you? They haven't gone through the hell that you've gone through. They haven't fought the battles that you fought. They haven't cried the tears that you cried. In fact, when you went through your toughest time, they walked away from you, and they pointed their finger at you, and they judged you, and now they want to step back into your life and tell you what to do? Who flipping cares what they say? Because if we get hyper-focused on them, we can't listen to him. They. And... We all need to realize everybody's got an opinion. Everyone's got an opinion about you. But you know what? You don't have to listen to it. There are some of you in this room right now, you're so consumed with what they say, you're going to miss out on God's best for your life. You're going to miss out. And that's not, that's honestly, that's not a good place to be. And we see it in this text because Moses almost missed out. See, see, God said, hey, I want you to do this. And Moses was like, well, I kind of need to see, like, I, I don't know, man. I'm seeing the bush, but I want to see some signs. And God says, all right, I'll give you a couple signs. Take your staff, the staff you got in your hand, throw it down on the ground. He threw it down, it became a snake. And God said, now pick it up. And by the way, at that moment right there, I'm out. It just sent me to hell, whatever, man, I don't care. But he picked up the snake, and he's got the snake, and it comes back in his side. He still doesn't believe. He's like, oh, I want to see something else. And so God says, take your hand and put it inside your cloak. So he takes his hand, he puts it inside his cloak, and he, God says, pull it out. He pulls it out, and it's white as snow. It's full of leprosy. And he tells him, stick it back in. He sticks it back in, and it comes out, and it's clean. It's normal. And God's like, okay, there's your signs. Now go. Just get out of here. And you would think in that moment, it'd be awesome. All right? Moses already protested twice. Now he's got his signs. And this time... He doesn't protest. He does something different. Look at this, verse 10. But Moses pleaded. He'd gone from no to, <laughs> please, God, no. You ever been there? <laughs> All of us have. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Love this. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. <laughs> this is the guy who wrote the first five books of the Bible, by the way. All right? Not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, not a good, can't, can't speak. Ability, no, don't have, God, no, he's just got to go through the whole thing right there. He, doesn't, he says, I don't have the ability. Now, when it comes to abilities, some people in this room, you've got phenomenal abilities. Like we've, we've talked about these before here at Central, but, but some of you have amazing abilities. You can do things like fix cars. I've, I've, I've told you before, my dad, I got one of those dads, the dude can fix 
anything. Like a car could break down, he could pull the engine, he could take the engine apart, put it back together, put it back in to fire right up, be better than it was when it came from the factory. He's amazing at that. He can fix transmissions. I have zero car fixing ability, like zero, like, like none. I don't even know where the spark plugs are in my Jeep. Like I think they have them, Right? I mean, it should, they need to have it, right? It's, it's a hybrid. I don't, I don't know. But I don't even know where they are. I'm going to call somebody that does. Like, I have no idea. I have zero ability. Some of you, you have the ability to do, like, math and engineering. You can mix letters and numbers, which should never be a thing, man. Math and alphabet. Like, that should just be it. But you can do that. It works out well. You make lots of money out of it. It's awesome. You've got abilities. Some of you can make, like, amazing quilts. Like, somebody can take a bunch of T-shirts to you, and you make quilts, or you just make, and they're just absolutely amazing. Some of you can make gourmet meals or make, like, incredible pizzas. and You just have amazing abilities. There's all kinds of things we can list here of things that you have that are just absolutely amazing. But in your mind, they happen outside of the church, and they can only happen outside of the church. And, and, and so when it comes to God wanting to use, you, you say, well, I can't preach, or I can't teach, or I can't sing, or I can't play an instrument, so I must not have any abilities. Here's another thing I want you to walk away with, and we're most likely going to talk about this um, some next week. God is not looking for your ability, but rather your availability. He's not looking for your ability, but rather your availability, because if we will make ourselves available, he will make us able. This is the God, by the way, who brought Jesus from death to life. And so if he can work that kind of miracle in Jesus and the same Holy Spirit lives inside of us, think about what he could do if we would just say, yes, Lord, and make ourselves available. God can and wants to use you in ways that you could never imagine. It's not, are you able? It's, are you available? Because if you're available, he will make you able. Well, Moses, he's still pushing back, and God says, yeah, but, but who gave you that mouth, boy? Like, like, who gave you the ability to speak? Wasn't it me? Moses, you need to understand, I got your back. Moses, I'm going to be with you. Moses, I'm never going to leave you. Moses, I'm never going to forsake you. We're going to do this thing together. And Moses, look what he does, verse 13. Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else, or send anyone else, not, not someone else, anyone. God said to anyone else. You ever been there? God says, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. <laughs> yeah, man, you should talk to my brother. Like he's got amazing abilities, right? Moses, Moses said, God, said anyone. Just please, God, send any, if you send anyone else, it'd be the most amazing day ever for me. God, just please send anyone. And if God would have sent anyone else, Moses would have missed out. Moses would have missed out on the incredible miracles. He would have missed out on the interstate highway being put through the Red Sea. He would have missed out on God doing all of these things in his life. See, see, Moses, Moses was in the presence of God, but he didn't find the peace. Remember, he's running and he's, he's wanting purpose and he's wanting to, to take, he's wanting to do all of these things, but he doesn't experience the peace until he's finally willing to put down his own agenda and surrender to God's. And for us, we can talk all day long. We can, we can spend the entire Christmas series talking about Jesus is the reason for the season. But until we fully surrender to him, we can't fully live for him. 
God has been doing something in me over the past several weeks um, that has lit a fire in me unlike anything that, that I've really known before. And, and honestly, it's for me just, I, I, had been, I had been pleading, I had been protesting, and I finally just said, yes, Lord, whatever you want. Yes, and I'm telling you, what, what's coming up and through this season and as we start the new year, I have so much peace about us as a church stepping into our future and what's next for us. It's absolutely unbelievable. In fact, I, I sort of have gotten to the place where, where Moses got to. Because, see, Moses, he went through this incredible journey. He wrestled with God, and then he experiences the blessings of God. And then he gets to this place, and in Exodus chapter 33, verse 12, says this, One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people to the promised land. But you haven't told me who you will send with me. In other words, you haven't told me who's in. You haven't told me who's in. And and this, this has been my prayer for the past several weeks. God, who's in? Who's, Who's in? When it comes to our future, when it comes to our next steps, When it comes to this church continuing to reach as many people as possible with the gospel of Jesus Christ, who's in? Let me tell you why I'm praying this. Because we've been talking quite a bit this year about how we're looking for a group of people that want to see a move of God happen in this community. And we're talking about creating an environment where people can experience the presence of God. And I'm talking all kinds of people. Being that no matter church, so no matter what you've gone through, no matter what your past is, no matter what you're currently struggling with, you can walk into this place, walking in, not feeling judgment, not feeling condemnation, knowing that God has a plan for your life. He has a hope for your life. There's a future for your life. That's the type of environment that we need in this community. And I want us together to create that type of environment where people can come in here and literally experience Experience the presence of God. And what better time for us to be hyper-focused on that than the Christmas series and as we head into the new year. And really, if I can be totally honest with you, the only thing that I've been asking God for is the same thing that Moses asked God for. It says this in verse 15, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, If you don't go with us, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the people on the earth. Isn't it funny that Moses, who protested, Moses, who pleaded, now understands that there is no peace. There is no peace without the presence of God. But there is peace in the presence of God, but only when you drop your partial surrender and say, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, whatever you want. Peace is not found in something else. It's not found in someone else. It's not found somewhere else. It's found in nothing else. Nothing else can bring peace like the presence of God when we're fully surrendered to what he's asking us to do. So my question to close with today is this. What is the thing that you've been wrestling with God with for a while? And what is the peace that you're seeking after? What is the peace that you're seeking after? Because I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you just from personal experience over the past several weeks, you're not going to get that peace until you say yes, 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 whatever. 
Yet yes, not knowing what the future looks like, not knowing what it holds, not knowing what the next step is. Yes, Lord. I, yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes. I'm willing to do whatever to take this next step. I'm going to take it because I know you're going to be with me. I'm going to have peace along the journey. His presence in the journey is the difference maker to us having peace in our lives.